Hello, hello, and welcome to this, the final episode of 20... What year are we? 21. 21. Of the weekly watch list. We've done about four episodes for the year because <laughs> <laughs> of all sorts of weird complications. But it's a pleasure to be yep. back. And uh, just off the top, I won't bury the lead here. I was thinking about this today. And I thought we probably should have done a year-end wrap. Probably. It's too late for that. <laughs> so Unless we're you, recording next week, which we're not. We're not. Because so we can't be bothered. If you're tuning in thinking, <laughs> you know it would be a really good concept for the final episode of the year? A wrap-up <laughs> and a pick of what your favourite things of the year were. Not going to happen. Because no. I thought about it too late. Uh, my name's Sean Peterbutch. I'm joined as always by Will Peters. Will. Hello, Sean. Newly, freshly graduated Will Peters. Yes, I'm now a fully functioning member of society. Um. Fabian was very critical of me because I didn't know what you were studying or what you were doing, and and I I was honest with him. I said I don't care. Well, that's fair. There's Thank you. Fa- no, as in that's that's fair for him oh. to think you're very rude. Oh. Um, I thought you were going to. My point of view was I don't want to pry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not interested in you know, stepping on your little little hooves. Well, for Fab, I'll uh, I'll just I'll say it now. I graduated with a, me- a Bachelor of uh, Media and Communications. I was hoping it was going to be like, you actually at beauty school. <laughs> Certificate for in hairdressing. <laughs> this might shock you. <laughs> um, yeah. No, the Bachelor of Media Communications, majoring in media industries, which is extremely broad. Which it is. basically defines my whole educational career. Um, just, you know, study the broad thing. I might like one of them. Um, still no idea what I want to do post-degree. Um, minored in marketing. So I don't think really, really you can get much more in-depth than that for uh, Fabian. There you go. Now um, he and I are totally up to date. <laughs> <laughs> what a result. Um, so yeah, fully fully gratted. Um, working, had my very, very low-key Christmas drinks. Didn't just, you just say before. the other week that you only work with one other person? Correct. Uh, two. Um, and one of them is moving to Queensland. There you <laughs> go. You've lost a third of your workforce. So we're hiring a third. You're downsized. Um, so, uh, yeah, had a couple of beers. I mean, it's a tough economy. Loosey-goosey. Broke the seal way too early. So on the drive up to Warrandyte, I was... <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, good to be here. Good to be here. Well, it's good to have you. Um, do we want to just get straight into it? The lead, obviously, is Spider-Man. Yes. No Way Home. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? I keep forgetting. Yes. No Way Home. Yes. Yep. That name and convention seemed like a good idea back in 2017. Mm. Now it's become an annoyance. <laughs> um, we'll go with that. Obviously, I did the Too Long Don't Listen recap, but as I did say in the episode, very keen for your thoughts yes. and very keen to potentially add some bits and pieces that I've thought about since mm-hmm. and wish I had have mentioned in that. Mm-hmm. I think it would have rounded out the episode better. Yes. Um, but I've had to live with that disappointment <laughs> <laughs> for several days, having thought of stuff that I would have liked to have put in. Um we're going to chat sort of MCU broadly as well because Hawkeye yes, wrapped yes, up this week yes. too and do a little bit of year-end Marvel scorecard because they have released a lot of stuff. Almost too much. In 2021. I think, I'm not even going to say almost too much. It's definitely too yeah, much. Yeah. And I think we're starting to see some problems emerge with the quality. Yes. They stretch themselves a bit thin. And because of that, yep. we're seeing a dip in quality. Yep. We'll talk about that. Um I said on the episode that I did, Will, that I'm not sure how good a film No Way Home was, and I stand by that. Mm. I, and, and again, I don't know if that even matters. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed it, and I was speaking to a friend about this, um, you know, fellow, possibly fellow, fellow listener of this, if not definitely Prendercast. Good. Kicker one, Daniel Kick. I know. I yes, know of Daniel. Yes, yes. Uh, comments regularly on your stuff. Um, and we were saying that it's 
the quality of the movie may be clouded by the nostalgia that we went through. Very potent. Yes. And that's very deliberate. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Just some context. Knocked up the second biggest opening in history. I thought it was third. No, it's just past oh, wow. uh, Infinity War. How long to find an opening? A week? Three weeks. Three, three weeks. days, sorry. Three days. So the in, in America, they'll say the traditional opening, the reason they open on a Friday, which is why sometimes we get things Thursdays. two days early. Sometimes yeah. we get them on a Wednesday night. Yeah. They'll do Thursday previews, which factors. So Thursday after like six o'clock yeah. um, can account for that. Mm-hmm. But it's generally speaking Friday through to Sunday. And they do factor in the Thursday previews. Yeah. But um, 260, which is the second biggest opening in the history of Hollywood, past uh, Infinity War, behind Endgame. Um, so that's, to be honest with you, in the pan- pandemic era, that is absurd. What are some of the older ones on that list that are like... Obviously, um, Star Wars would be in there, wouldn't it? Well, the, the force... Look, now because of inflation and ticket prices being what they are, yeah. it is largely the last 10-odd years. Yeah. So Force Awakens was too... 250 odd um last jedi i think was 220 okay i think uh one of the jurassic worlds got to about 216 oh, really okay um you know the dark knight rises i think got to about 150 right okay um so w- way back when i think you know legendary was in entourage but spider-man cracked the 100 million for the first time in yep. 2002 did 114 mm-hmm. that was broken i think one of the pirates of the caribbeans did like 125 and it's obviously gone from there. But just for some more context, in one day, so on the Friday, it was the highest grossing weekend of the pandemic era, just in one day. And in one weekend, it became the highest grossing film of the year. So there's a few things at play there. A, it's a big movie, yeah. big appeal, mm-hmm. people going back to the cinema, yeah. pandemic fatigue, where people are just like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to the movies. Yeah. This is all in America, naturally, but worldwide it's done like 600 plus, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. a phenomenal gross really no matter what the circumstances mm-hmm. but i've got, got a question for you we, i spoke obviously really broadly about what was good what i like what i didn't like and the like and the more i thought about the movie in the days after i saw it i wondered if and this almost flows onto the hawkeye chat we're going to have marvel have got to the point now where they're too worried about maintaining the secret they're too worried about everyone knew that toby and andrew were in the movie of okay, yeah. Everybody yeah. knew that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I get that I get it. I get preserving it so for the yeah. shock in the cinema, I totally get it. And the finances would show us that it was a worthwhile move because people wanted to see it and they wanted to see it early so they weren't spoiled. I get it. But is an is a is a side effect of that, is a a consequence of that that they don't get to properly realise or realise as well as they could those great payoffs. So I'll give you an example. The final fight happens in a very, very contained, or on a very contained set. Yeah. Scaffolding, very deli- very yeah. clever, but it's yeah. a way of obscuring. They, they film it in a manner that can be definitely filmed on a soundstage. Yes. And then the reveals of the two characters, characters, sorry, are filmed in such a way that they're not in public. Yeah. They don't have to be shot in public. They can get the actors in and out of a soundstage, shoot them on a very contained, very locked down set. Yeah. And because of that, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, because you're not going on location, because you, you don't want to take these actors on location, because that spoils everything, do we get the best execution of these characters returning? And I would argue no. Yeah, but then would you rather them be 
it's this small. Sorry. Well, um, would you rather them be like CG'd into public? But they're not CG'd. In. If you actually go out on on location, you actually yeah. shoot it on location. I think they get so caught up in. Yeah, but if they if they if they shoot everything on location and then just pop him in once he's been on a green screen, would yeah, you would, you, would you rather costly. that? It's costly, but but would you rather that? I would. Um, so they got their public, you know. No, look to me. I think that they're just wrapping themselves up in knots a bit too much mm. to to for no reason. I think that. Uh, I mentioned it on the Too Long Don't Listen. Andrew Garfield's reveal I thought was really good. Toby's reveal, the more the, the further we get away from it, yeah. I think the more underwhelming that'll become. I think it's already underwhelming. But I totally agree. I think the but the further we go from it, you'll start to go I can't remember where was he when he was you know, when he was the, when the standing, sling he was ring. just standing like I don't was he just standing in a like not a like a, a sub was like it a, a subway something like that and then you just walk through a portal into a living room yeah there's no like, there's no like oh we, what's this he's just I, like oh, and hello. I gave I, look, I, the concept I explained on the other episode was he should have found Peter yeah he's been because he says I've been looking for Peter yeah. he should have found Peter they could have tied that in that his special spot was the same as this yeah. Peter's spot just by yeah. coincidence yeah. and that's when the two groups come together Ned MJ and Garfield Peter and Toby. You split the reveals and you do it in such a way that I just think that would have been a fantastic moment mm. to have him go, because Peter, and he turns around, it's him, and he's found him, and that's that moment of, you know. And I, still, then, I still think the moment of them sitting on top of the tower, though, is pretty, like... It was all right. You know, you pan yeah, it was up, okay. there's the two, and you're like... Oh, yeah, it was all right. I think the other one I would have loved to have seen, to be honest, and this is a creative choice thing, again, is it is it hindered by secrecy? Maybe they weren't interested. Maybe it was too much. I don't know. They they needed to get Kirsten Dunst. Not and not even a speaking line. Like, like a, okay. my life's great sort of thing. So maybe. imagine the film, you know, Peter's lost everything. He's lost his girlfriend. He's lost his best friend. He's lost his aunt. He's lost Happy Hogan. He's on his own. He's got nothing. And the idea is that as they say their goodbyes... I think that Strange sort of sent them back through a portal, not they disappear, they vanish. Yeah, yeah. As they say their goodbyes, Strange opens the portal for Toby and he gives him the classic, things will be okay. Yeah. No, trust me, things will be all right. Mm. And without saying, oh, how would you know? And then he walks through and his MJ's there. Yeah. And they've got a couple of little kids. Yeah. And the idea is that I was where you were. Yeah. It works out. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You're a good kid, et cetera, et cetera. And you just wonder that that's an emotional beat that would have been really nice. Yeah. And now, I think now that he's alone and he's you know the true neighborhood Spider-Man, he's now at the age that the other two were set at. Of just pre-college. Pre-college. Yeah. Do we lose the fun Spider-Man movies? No, no. I think it's cool. I think it'll mix it up. It will. It definitely will. But I, I think that we've lived through the high school stuff, which is good. Yeah. And in this next group of films, they do. Yeah. It's just a bit fresh. It's a. It's a sea change. It's, yeah. It's freshens him up. But like, will will the Spider-Man fans that just purely watch the first two because they're fun, they're fun, enjoyable Marvel movies, will they be lost? Because I think they still are. I think they'll still be fun. Okay. Because he'll still be the right age. Yeah. And he'll still like look the right age. Yeah. 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 But. Um, just to, I guess, kind of go through individual performances, um, casting, whatever. 
Um, again, as you said many times, Tom Holland plays the character perfectly. Um, he's personally my favourite Spider-Man, but not by a country mile. I really enjoyed Garfield's when back when they were released. Garfield um, was just... He was just... Uh, I said it down. He yeah. was just in the wrong movies. Yep. Yeah. And then Toby, I always found awkward. I always found his movies awkward just because of the type of guy he is. He's a bit too old. Yeah. Um, but he was fine. I feel like... It's funny though. Toby works now better than he... Arguably better than he did in his movies as the elder statesman. Yeah. He actually fits that mould better. Yeah. Um, Jacob Badalin, so Ned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's, you know, the funny guy in the chair and stuff but like I feel like like uh, Aquafina Aquafina in Shang-Chi just like too many one-liners too many like like he almost he almost wasn't needed in this movie Mm. in my opinion Mm -hmm. Um, Jamie Foxx he was in it Jamie Foxx was in a different movie (laughs) yeah Jamie Foxx was in a completely different film your comment was very true with that um and occasionally he had some good moments. Yeah. Like he had some funny bits and pieces where yeah. you're like, Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. But this but is just so out of step yeah, with yeah. what's going on. But then is that I guess what they originally wanted him wanted him to be and not be so and the as opposed to the first one where it was everyone was just like, The fuck's this dude? Yeah, what have you done? Why yeah. have you done this? Yeah. Um Willem Dafoe loved. Yeah, Willem Dafoe was basically told and he's spoken about it, where it's like, you can just be crazy. Oh. And he was like, totally, let's I do it. I was sitting there going, you are amazing. Like, initially when he was all, like, kind of lost and at, putting on that kind of facade of, oh, you know, I'm not like the and others. he's Norman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's yeah. broken and he... I was like, oh, that's annoying. I like that. But then when he was, like, full crazy, laughing with the punch, I was like, oh, my fucking God, this is He was brilliant. like, I've duped you. Yeah, <laughs> it's like everyone in the cinema was like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, thank God. Um... Alfred Molina. He's good. Really enjoyed. Um, I wasn't like, you know, other than him being Doc Ock the last time, I can't, I couldn't tell you anything else he's been in. He was in the opening of Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's, he um, had that's, the, that's the, the spiders on him and then he got, he uh, stole the idol from uh, Indy and then ended up getting impaled on a stick and dying. Yeah. I think he was in Chocolat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought Wong would have a bigger role in this movie. Just because, you know, with Doctor Strange, rah, rah, but obviously, wait, do we know where he's where he's gone when he's like don't do the spell, where he's off to? Might have been Shang Chiing it up. Yeah, maybe. Um, Flash, the guy that played Flash, yeah. Like I don't, it's, it's he didn't need any more any sort of, in my opinion, he didn't need any more involvement or like increase of a character. You know, he got done real dirty. Australia's own Angari Rice. She played Betty, oh, yeah. Betty Branch. She had like yeah. one scene. Yeah. But that, like, if she had any more, then it's like... Eh, I wouldn't have minded there to be some more Ned tension. I wouldn't have minded there to be some more... Do we give this another go? Yeah. That would have... Just as a, like, a little laugh here and yeah. there. Um, <laughs> Hannibal Burris is the coach. Yeah. I love, I, it's It just is like, they've worked in the... They've met, like how they had the you know people that take Spider Man's side and people that take um, Mysterio's side. They've kind of paralleled it to like anti vaxxers and vaxxers. I don't know why they in the second one. Nothing against JB Smooth. Yeah. But how why that wasn't Hannibal Burris 
on the field trip in the second one. <laughs> like you've got this guy who's like an avatar for him that yeah. wasn't as good. Yeah. It was a bit weird. Um and then other than that, everyone's kind of just I guess filled their roles. Marissa Tomei was good. Yes. John Favreau was yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um oh, Marissa Tomei, she's sexy. Yeah. She's That's like true. as and I've said it to I've said it to a couple of people. I go, as like I'm not I'm not old, but I'm getting older. I'm 28 next year. Mm-hmm. That's old, considering I still feel 21, 22. The older I get, the more attractive I find older women. Well, they're closer to your age. Exactly. But now I look at like 18-year-olds, I'm like, ugh. 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 And I'm like, I back when I was 18, I was like, how do like older people find other older people attractive? Maturity. Yeah. The more, <laughs> more older I get, the more mums I go, hmm, okay. Really wow. into particular niche now (laughs) i like that um but uh yeah back onto spider-man in terms of in terms of you know the build-up to it i came out pleased because it the hype to it match kind of matched it for me whereas maddie came out of it very sad because she was going in expecting the last two movies and like she cried for the last half an hour, 45 minutes. This is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so she, I'm like, oh, you know, I was like kind of spitballing ideas in my head right over. And she goes, I don't want to talk about it. But what did she cry about? Oh, just, you know, um, May dying. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and how, you know, he's left alone. He's got nothing. Rah, rah. So she did she like it? I think it, in the hindsight she will. Okay. But like she's like, I didn't enjoy that. Like, immediately she did want to... Talk. I'm sitting there going, I want to, like, divulge this thing for the next three hours. And she's like, I don't want to talk about it. I was like, oh. Oh, okay, then we'll just drive home in the silence, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. Um. But, uh, yeah, sorry, in gold class, again. So, last for the, you know, listener that listens every episode, last episode, we had issues at Shang-Chi where they didn't turn off the lights. Mm. This time, we're in gold class. I'm going, you know, this is, this is the experience. Sitting there, the ad comes on for, you know, now it's time to turn off your phones and turn off the lights. 90 seconds later, the lights are still on. <laughs> we all get up goes, we're not going to fucking do this again, are we? <laughs> so I was watching trailers. Well, the trailer for Morbius came up. I was like, oh, sick. Like, you know, I hadn't seen it yet. Couldn't see it. It's very dark Very movie. dark trailer. Yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of that like, film happens at color-wise, night. Color-wise, dark trailer. Can't see a fucking thing. Yeah. So... Village Southland, pull your finger out, turn your fucking lights off. When did the lights go off? Uh, about halfway through the second trailer. Okay. So annoying. It is. I understand that. I get that. Yeah. Um, that just reminded me when I went to see Shang-Chi and we just got upgraded to gold class for free because the cinema we were meant to be in wasn't, there was something wrong. That's right, yeah. It was a great result. Yeah. The guy next to me fell asleep, um, snoring loudly. So yeah, had some delicious, oh, I had uh, maybe... Because I'd had a wedges. couple of beers, but the wedges, we- wedges, yeah. the, but they were like loaded wedges with like cheese, bacon, um, spring onion, sour did cream. You, did you come out? Did you, you know? Did you wear like a smock? <laughs> no, but I was. I almost, I almost put my phone light on to see what I was eating. That's <laughs> <laughs> all over me. <laughs> um, but yeah, came out of the movie, no food on me, so happy days. They should dead set gold class when you walk in, like you know the the pajamas on Qantas long halls. <laughs> They should give you like um, ponchos, yeah. like gold class ponchos, so you yeah. can just eat like an animal. Yeah, and then I got, I got a paper straw with my frozen coke, so I got to like, you know, 
three quarters of the way through the movie, I had to open it up and start banging it. <laughs> you know what? If the cost of us getting some plastic straws <laughs> back at McDonald's and Village and whatnot is a couple of dead turtles, exactly. it's a sacrifice <laughs> I'm willing to make. If it all comes down to so that. Some of you may die. Some of you may but die. It's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Um, um, anything else on. It's got nine, 9 out of 10 on IMDb. That is high. Um, anything else on. Uh, like we said, I just reckon that the biggest winner out of the whole thing, to be honest, was Garfield. Yes. Because he sort of proved that, yeah, like. Everyone was like, oh shit. I said it on that episode the other day that there are devotees of his film that maintain steadfastly he's the best. Yeah. And that's personal taste. That's yeah. their prerogative. But you go give him the material, and it's unfortunately too late for him now, but yes. you go give him the material and, yeah, he's good. Mm-hmm. He's charismatic. He's a great actor. He can do yeah. comedy. He can do do the, the more serious, earnest stuff. Yeah. They just didn't have the balance in his movies right. Yeah. So... Um, like I mean, we don't want to, but yeah, the the moment of the film was when he caught MJ. That was the yeah. the moment yeah, of the yeah, film. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. Again, I don't think they realised it well enough. No, I think it happened too quickly. Yeah. you needed the big six to twelve. Uh, sorry, twelve to six whip. Yeah, of he senses what's happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. You needed to cut in. Does he see Gwen falling, and just replay the scene? Yeah, it was just it didn't give itself any time to breathe and we're going to speak in Hawkeye a little bit about Marvel have got a real problem Shang-Chi did this as well Marvel have got a real problem at the moment um, with when they do these big blow off you know set pieces they've got a huge issue with like geography and just pacing of the scene yeah massive Shang-Chi had a bit where like characters just go missing for 10 minutes 15 minutes Spider-Man had that as well where Characters that are inconvenient to whatever the action is at the moment, just trying to no, don't have them on the I screen. I was actually watching just the don't have last them, night going, just don't have them on the screen. What's happening to this character? We're in the big, yeah. uh, the Rockefeller Center fight yeah. in Hawkeye. Yeah. A bunch of characters like um, Yelena just goes missing. She's out of the scene yeah. for five minutes because yeah. if she's in the scene, it's a complication. Yeah. You can say you're kind of watching it going, you, going on here? you need to be, feel like Donald Glover, you, know, you need to be better at this part of the job. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, um, just a couple of things that came to my head of like, you know, likes and dislikes. Really disliked Ned being magical. He wasn't magical as such because anybody can do that. Okay, but just being able to get it first go. Yeah, anyone can, I get what you're saying. Like he just like flicks his hand and there's a spark. It's like, I I was sitting there going... Doctor Strange, oh. had to. He, he went to Kamataj, trained yeah. for years yeah. to get this down. And old mate's just going, I want to see Peter and... Creates a nice perfect circle. I did like Strange when he was sort of. They told him he was like, "What? <laughs> Go see your GP because <laughs> you did that." Yeah, yeah, um, no, I, I get that. And then like a couple of the, uh, you know, references just to like real life and pop culture. They had the it's come up heaps on the internet lately um, of them like, all pointing at each other like that Spider Man meme where they, you know you're looking at the same person. Oh, I like that. Um, the I calculated probably a little too hard. At the uh, where they're talking about how each other have done whatever, and he goes, "Oh, that's amazing! I'm not amazing." And then Toby goes, "Oh, you are amazing!" I was like, "Yes!" I like that. I like because I was in the Avengers. Because they like a band. band? Because you went to space. Yeah. And you know, you like fought a guy in a giant rhino suit. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and just yeah, I think any I would have loved stuff where I would have loved them to have spoken about. Things that we didn't see. Like? 
So, like, so Toby's films end, and the only allusion we got to after Spider-Man 3 was that, you know, we make it work, him and MJ. And that, that was pretty much the only illusion we got. Who else have you fought? Mm. Who else have you yeah. come across? H- have you come across a Craven the Hunter? Has he come across a version of the Scorpion? Yeah. Has Andrew Garfield come across a, a version of the Sandman? Mm. Like, I thought that was something that was a bit like when when the multiverse split open and you saw, like, the silhouettes of these different characters yeah, yeah, and you were yeah, kind of yeah. like, well, who do they belong to? Yeah. They could have played with that a little bit more of, like, you know, I had a guy, yeah, Flint Marker was mine, and, and Garfield could have been like, is I him? Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. That kind of, that fun. I did, I did like that the... Andrew and Toby didn't come in in that scene of where Strange is like, I can't hold them, there's more coming. Yeah, that was the fake Because if, if, yeah, except like all Marvel things, if they'd somehow popped through this little gap and just started slinging, I was like, I was going to, oh. And that's, and that's, that's the, sh- again, like the idea that, like, I've got no issue with that particular scene, but, you know, where they, they edit guys out of the trailers and they do fake yeah, trailer yeah, shots yeah, and you're yeah. like, you're going, you're going to a lot of effort. Yeah. It's like, just, just relax. Don't yeah. don't be so paranoid um, about. Could have put my whole life savings on Toby Maguire being stabbed by Goblin when he I was. Thought he was going to die. <laughs> when he's like there after he's been stabbed, the whole time while he's laying there being held, he's like smiling and like. <laughs> uh, well, that's what he said. He goes, "I've been stabbed before." Yeah, but then it's like. I yeah, I would have put so much money, as much money as I can, on him being stabbed by Defoe. You just knew it. It was he was there for too long. Left too long. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I liked the darkness and the grittiness of Holland, though, like bashing the shit mm. out of Goblin. Mm. I, I really, I was like, oh, this is a side we really haven't seen. That's Toby, because Andrew mentioned that he yes. went dark yeah, yeah, and he yeah, went yeah, vengeful. Yeah. And yeah. Um, every every character has to go through it, though. Yeah, absolutely. But their, all their dark in all, phase, their emo phase. Yeah, all in all, very excited for the future. Okay. Yeah. Of Spider-Man, just in general? Of Yeah, of of Spider-Man's, you always say, he's finished one arc, he's going to do another. and I am a bit, I'm a bit put out those, mild, mildly. Why? That from the looks of it. He's only got like one more in him. Who? Holland. No, they reckon he'll do three more. No, I saw one. No, they reckon he'll do a bunch more and he'll be like the Tony Stark of this next phase and he'll eventually die. At, you I, know. Th- I thought that was meant to be strange. But the thing I will say is that I was very excited about the potential for Toby to turn up in Strange. The Sam Raimi t- connection, yeah. he's directing it, Multiverse. Yeah. Yeah. I was excited about that. That obviously doesn't look like it's happening. No. Um, which is, again, I think is a bit of a missed opportunity. So yeah. we'll talk about Hawkeye now, speaking of missed opportunities. Just overall thoughts on the series, just in general? Um as you alluded to on Twitter, you can or Twitter or something else might have been the too long don't listen. First two minutes, last two minutes. Um, it's not even that. It's the first fifteen seconds. Yeah, they, they've. It's. I wrote the note here that it's funny that Marvel TV shows at the moment are arguably the truest representation of a comic yeah. we've ever seen in the medium. Yeah. In that, the the classic cliffhanger. Yeah. They they it's happening. They're doing it too much that the only worthwhile parts of the episodes are literally the 15 seconds either side of it ending or starting. 
where you get the Will's just dropped up, couldn't couldn't get the water out of his drink bottle without spilling it all over himself. Tried to be quiet. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm wet. <laughs> but but this this idea that I, I don't mind the cliffhanger, but every week mm. doesn't matter what the show is, yeah. you watch. F- and another thing that annoys me. The episodes all vary in length. Like one episode's thirty-six yeah. minutes, the next episode forty-eight minutes, and yeah. fifty-three, and then forty-two. Mandalorian did this as well. Just fucking stick to a runtime, or give me two movies. Because but this is the problem. My issue with Hawkeye and Loki, and what was the other one? WandaVision and Falcon, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. My issue with all those are, are the same. Pacing. Yep. And the reason you got pacing problems. Is because unlike traditional TV, you don't have a uh, standardized runtime. Yep. So the idea is that that gives you freedom because you just tell the story in as long as it takes you to tell it. Mm. But if I'm telling my story in 36 minutes, yeah, and you're telling your story in 53 minutes, yeah, well, is that because your story is more important or has yeah. more important information, or is it because you can't efficiently tell it, or is it because I haven't been able to properly convey the information I need to? Mm. So I'll give you an example in Hawkeye. In episode one yep. of Hawkeye, we get introduced to the idea that Clint wants to recover the watch. Do we know... We'll go into this. Okay. So he wants to recover the watch, which was taken from the Avengers compound, yes. and it's being sold at that black market auction yes. Yes. with um, the swordsman, the French dude, who's just a giant fucking misdirect. That's another problem I've got. Yeah. Stop setting up fucking red herrings... For the sake of, ha-ha, he didn't pick that. Because what you end up doing is so incredibly unsatisfying. When he started being all good, all good I was like, ah. Oh. Like, so you are good. Like, fuck You kind of double bluffed us. Yeah. We, we were all like, oh, this guy's, he's yeah. got a nasty streak. No, no, he's a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't yes. even die. Like, he could have been, <laughs> yeah, whatever. He's just there in the background. On guard. Yeah, and you're like, oh, okay, it's a bit <laughs> weird. He, was, he had some fun with the role, though, yeah. which is all right. Yeah. So the watch they introduce. Episode one. You're like, oh, okay, what's the watch got to do with all this? Interesting. Yeah. They barely fucking mention it until for the, next the last five episodes. You see it on Echo's <laughs> yeah. uh, like nightstand. It's on a yeah. on a bench. Yes. One of the one of the goons in the tracksuits, I think, looks at the watch to make sure oh, we've got it, we've recovered it, or like what is yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. They barely mention it until legitimately the last two minutes of the yeah. show when it's given to Laura who we take it that she's a shield agent and that's how they met each other and you're like oh okay yeah okay is that the fucking payoff yeah oh you're you're mocking bird yeah you're like okay <laughs> fucking whatever yeah one of the fan theories was better one of the fan theories was like more satisfying in that the idea was that early in an earlier episode Clint and Laura are speaking to each other and they're speaking like Russian. And this idea of how the fuck would Laura know how to speak Russian? The idea was that she wasn't a black widow as such, but the idea was that her character was the person that Clint was referring to when he said um, the shot he didn't take. His best shot ever was the shot he didn't take. Yeah, yeah. And someone was saying that he would have assassinated her, but he didn't take it and she's the love of his life and all that. And he just went... Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. It's a really mm. good beat. Mm. And we, we kind of... Is that what this is? Or is it just another fucking setup for yeah. another season which may or may not happen? You're like... Yeah. Just you tell ha- your story. We'll get on to some positive later. But yeah, no, absolutely. One thing, that annoyed, one thing that annoyed me was... I mean, I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge about it previously. Why is Kingpin so strong? 
He's just like, a big dude. He's just a big he guy. He gets shot with an arrow, just pulls it out. Yeah, he's just a big guy, just a big powerful dude. Yeah. Because even Will's sitting there, Matty's going, what? Like, does he have like super serum? No, he's just got a lot of fat. Yeah, I was, I was like, I think he's just like the rock in his movies where he's just like super mega strong and he's can just get really, out of anything. He's just really durable. Yeah. But, no, 100%. Look, I've got some notes here that, you know, we're repacing that in, in, in too many of these Marvel shows, nothing interesting or worthwhile happens for too long. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of interesting stuff happens too quickly. Yeah. Because they, they, they pad, they pad, they pad. And then they go, oh, fuck, we're running out of time. We've only got one episode left. Shit. Yeah. And you're kind of going, how has this happened? Yeah. And then the further thing I've got here is, I don't know if the show stuck the landing. So it sets up all this this stuff, character stuff, different beats, different reveals. And it vaguely pays off everything. Like, vaguely. Mm. No, nothing I don't think got paid off terribly satisfyingly, in my opinion. Yep. I didn't I didn't watch the credits roll and go, geez, that arc ended really well. Geez, I'm really happy with that, where that ended up. Yep. Because some of them didn't end. No. Still going. And you're like... <sighs> so, Like the last we saw of Yelena was her just walking off. Yeah, and she just decided... Half I'm not, not going to kill him. I'm just going to walk away. She didn't believe Clint. And then... He, he whistled. And he whistled, and she was like, "Oh, how would you know?" Oh, because she mentioned you. Have we heard that whistle before? H- how do the f- how does she how does uh, what does that how does that prove that he didn't in her mind have didn't we, kill her? Ha- have we heard yeah, that it was whistle? Yeah, Black Widow, I think. Yeah. But you're just going, okay, all right. And they're padding these things out with too many Easter eggs and too many winks and nods at the audience. Yeah. Oh, do you know this? Do you remember this? Trying to make it some secret language, some secret club. Yeah. And it's actually making it less accessible. Yeah. So. Kingpin, bit underwhelming. Yeah. The watch, yeah. Un- so what? Kingpin's just never going to mean anything ever again. Now he's dead. No, he's not dead. He'll be back. He got shot. No, he'll be fine. <laughs> um, the fight choreography forgets about the characters too much. The storyline with um, Kate's mum. Oh, I think the fight choreography. Sort of I think we'll just pause on that. I think it. This series did well for giving the attention to, you know, Hawkeye's powers and not even powers skills that he's been robbed of, that, you know... Yeah, were, that was, that that were, was a nice yeah, moment. That was overtaken by, you know, Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, whatever. Like, you know, every episode had their little archery tricks and you, yeah. got, you, got, to, you got to see it. You got that fix. Did you? Were you convinced... We've actually... We haven't even mentioned... I thought Hayley Steinfeld was very good. I liked her. I think she was good as Kate. Yeah. Kate Bishop. I think she was good. Um... Were you at any time convinced that she actually? This is the, this is the Batman and Robin paradox. Yeah. Is that you can't give Batman a sidekick unless they're unbelievably competent? Because if they're not, it just makes Batman look like a fucking dickhead. So what's the question? So, is Kate Bishop competent enough to be Hawkeye's sidekick slash partner? And you're like, yeah, she's a better yeah. than she's a better than like run-of-the-mill archer. Yeah. Going, but I never really necessarily thought she's like a fucking... She's a savant. Like, she's just legolas. But I think also she... Like, Hawkeye's... Hawkeye's legolas. No, but she needed to be... I don't think she was at any point... I didn't get the... Like, she's just a fucking dead eye. And the idea is that she wins him around by just being... Oh, yeah. she's actually got this under control. Yeah. When, when push comes to shove and her skills are needed... She hits the shot, or she mm. he can't do it, and she does it. Like she blew up a van, but you're like sort of 
explosive arrow and you're like yeah. you just had to graze the target. I don't know if there was the moment where you kind of went, oh, she's no, she's good. She's this real. This is the good. last episode. You got her like you know shooting wires apart and chopping the tree down and all that. She sort just of stuff. saw Hawkeye. When she was a kid and thought, yeah, that looks cool. Just I did become an archer. I did like that. We got another angle to that. That was good. That to was that fine. fight. We go, oh, okay, it's from a different perspective. Were you satisfied? The mother storyline, I thought, just kind of ran aground. Yeah, it was a bit like... The dad went missing and he was killed and she inherited his debt and she turned to evil. And you're kind of like, just, just to, to do yeah. Kingpin's bidding to pay off the debt and you're like... I think they should have just stayed with Jack or whatever his name yeah. was, being evil. Yes. There's no point making her evil. 100%. Because you set up this weird thing where she, she is... Just she, keep her and like not knowing and then at the end she's like, oh, thank you so much and then Kate goes off and does her thing and then mum's there being oblivious to everything. That Jack was using her. Yeah. 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 Oh, that would have been better. Jack was just that frustrating Marvel misdirect where yeah. it was, in the end he's a complete red herring, which yeah. was sort of frustrating. All this sort of stuff where the sum of the parts isn't quite adding up to what they needed to is fine. So long as the payoff or something that happens is mind-blowing. I'll mm. give you an example. Season 2 of The Mandalorian, a bit up and down. Some good moments, some bad moments, some episodes that were padding, some episodes that felt like nothing's going on, where's this story going, can we get back to the what's the crux of this, what are you trying to tell us? Yeah. So, highs and lows. But when Luke Skywalker turns up for the first time like that in... What was it, 37 years? Everyone's got giant boners. And you're just like, fuck. It was mind-blowing. Yeah. And it was a genuinely... You could make an argument that it is the greatest moment in the history of the property. <laughs> you could make a very strong argument that that particular moment where he walks out and the Force theme's playing and he's the Luke Skywalker we've always wanted to see doesn't get better than that. Absolutely brilliant wish fulfillment, you know, fan service all of that. Yeah. And it ties a bow on the Grogu and Mando storyline. He takes him off and that's the end of that adventure. Yeah. This didn't give us that and it wouldn't have needed to be Luke Skywalker. I was sitting there watching it going, Daredevil's probably going to show up, doesn't he? Mm. Kingpin's here. Matt Murdock showed up in No Way Home. Someone else At the end of No Way Home when Spider-Man's swinging through the city, it's Christmas time and he swings past the Rogers the Musical billboard. You're sort of going, these are, this is tailing on to Hawkeye. Yeah. No Way Home is ending where Hawkeye is taking place. Yeah. Even if they, even if in that credit scene where they gave us the scene from the musical. But I'm I'm just going, no, no, I didn't mind that as much. Have someone in the audience, have, have, like, focus on a member in the audience that is. For the real super nerds, they know not who even that. that. Is. Would, not even that. Oh, I'm not saying. But have, like, give us something. I'm not even saying have Tom Holland turn up in the show. Not saying that at all. But I'm like, Daredevil probably needed to show up. Mm. Daredevil probably needed to be in it. Just a missed opportunity that Marvel didn't used to miss. Yeah. They didn't used to drop those balls. Too many chefs in the kitchen. Just a bit too much happening. Um, do a Marvel year-end scorecard now. So they've done a lot of stuff, as we said off the top. Uh, WandaVision, what letter What grade? are we basing this on? Letter what are we grade? basing our score on? Just of the service it's done or like no, just as by itself how it was? How about I go first sure. and you take my lead. Yeah. So WandaVision, 
I gave one division a C plus. Said got bogged down in its mystery box nonsense and too many Mister X. Tried to get a bit too clever. Lost lost track of itself. Yeah. The the payoff I don't think satisfied the setup. Um, and it just lost steam. The longer it went on, it yeah. just lost momentum. Yeah. So I gave it C plus. I'll give it a. I wasn't quite as critical of it. So I'll give it a B. What's the next one? B minus. Yep. One up from that, yeah. B minus. Loki. Loki, I enjoyed. Uh, what did you give it? C plus. I just I didn't go for it much at all. I just thought that this is classic Marvel again, where you just go, Loki died in Infinity War, and it was the perfect send off. Perfect. We get the glimpse of him in Endgame and that Loki, the bad Loki, the Loki that was was a good character, but not the Loki we came to love. He had that redemptive arc. He's the mischievous, cheeky one. That's the Loki of this series. Yeah. He goes back, he takes the Tesseract. And I'm just like, you're undoing your good work. Yeah. I think for the services done for people to understand things now, B minus again, just mm-hmm. because it's... It, both WandaVision and... I just think there was too much crap in it that doesn't matter. And the TVA was this... You, you're introducing all these elements that are... They're not strengthening the MCU. Like when they open the drawer and there's all those Infinity Stones. Yeah. And you're sort of like... That's a, that's a, that's a fun little Easter egg. But it also cheapens... Yeah. All of the Infinity Saga and the idea you, that... You've just done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, going oh, on. Yeah, I'd still go B-. minus. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, I don't think how it ended. It ended with him being. It ended with him wearing it. Yeah. Comics accurate, but horrendous suit. Um, I'd probably go C plus. Yeah, I gave that a B minus. Oh, I thought that again. I'm not sure what I was trying to say. It was a bit too over earnest. I don't think it handled the characters well enough. I think um, Falcon was kind of. I think he was. I don't think he was served very well by it. Yeah, uh, Zemo was a bit of fun. Um, uh, Agent Thirteen was just—I was like, okay, she's yeah. on. She's the bad guy, like threat, not threat, yeah. but she's on. I'm like, well, yeah, one of them's gonna—it's gonna be her or Zemo, because mm. you're not gonna introduce a character we haven't seen. It's like no. the classic, who's the murderer? It's not gonna be the person we haven't met. Um, so I, I thought that was sort of the gist, all right. Um. Again, did they make the wrong show? Like, just give us a proper fucking team up. Mm. Just give us a proper buddy cop like yeah. team up. Yeah. Uh, like at this point in their relationship, after what they've been through in their relationship with Steve, they shouldn't be quarrelling and bickering, no. and no. it's it's frustrating. Black Widow enjoyed. So B C plus, just pointless for me. Okay, but just. Backwards momentum. We're not. I get that it was a testimonial movie for her, but yeah. you should have done it years ago. Years ago. Going backwards now is just fucking pointless. Yeah, but I think if it was done years ago, it wouldn't have. They wouldn't have been able to. They could set up Yelena. Hundred percent. They could set. Oh Yelena no! You, up. No, no. Set Yelena up in a in a flashback, and she wants to come and kill Clint. Not even Done. that. Not even it set up Yelena. I don't think they would have been able to touch on as many. Think if it was done pre Avengers, 
It could it have just, been. It could have been done. It could have been. It should have been a, a Bourne movie. But it was just a silly, big fucking Marvel action film that ended with a crazy blow off on a cloud city. And you're yeah. just like, oh. uh, I I was happy with it being done now. I don't I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much if it was done seven eight years ago. I think it needed to be done in the aftermath of um, Winter Soldier. But by the by. Eternals. You didn't see Eternals. I haven't seen. I'm gonna wait till it comes out. I gave it a D because it's just boring. It's just boring. Yeah, I don't, I've talked I, to some people that loved it though, so I'll, I'll. I think they need to watch it again. Yeah. And try to stay awake. <laughs> I, and I'm, I hate being critical about it because it was a swing. It was something very different for them to do. Yeah. But it was just it was just a misstep. It's to be honest with you, it's arguably the first misstep that Marvel have had since they did a TV show of the uh, the Immortals, which just went nowhere and didn't really see the light of day. Yeah. It's it's their first misstep in like seven or eight years, which is a great effort. But that's saying, it, does it fit into anything that coming up or is there oh, any sort of... Not really. Maybe be a Kang, maybe. Mm. Is there a credit scene? Yeah, but it's again, it's setting up like more crap. <laughs> right. Setting up more shit. And I'm like, <laughs> Kit Harrington's playing the Black Knight, I think it is, and... You're like, okay, I don't fucking care. I don't mm. care about this character. Do we know if Black Adam's going to fit into anything? He's in DC. So he'll be fitting into something, not the MCU. I thought it was Marvel. No. Um, wow. Hawkeye. Okay. Hawkeye, we've discussed it. I gave it a B-. minus. Hawkeye, yeah, C+. Plus. I gave Shang-Chi, which we've discussed previously, a B-. Reasoning that it's probably their strongest offering of the year, all things considered. Is that just because it's new, though? I think it's based on a number of factors. Is that is being new influencing them? No, I just think it was probably, on the whole, the best film that they made this year, or the best thing that they made this year. Yeah, I'll give it a B. Um, so there's a lot of pretty borderline stuff there, and for the first time, they've lost their shape a bit, haven't they? They've mm. just lost their heading a bit. They've I think also we have very large expectations, high expectations. Moving on from the the cornerstones in, and Thor's got a new movie, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but moving on from those cornerstones of Tony and Steve Rogers, it's always going to be impossible. It's always going to be real tough. I don't think they've done it as well as they would have hoped. I don't think it's been as smooth a sailing that when people look forward and go, Without, without the Infinity Saga underpinning everything for the first time in you know, eight years, I don't think the audience is looking forward with as much confidence as to like, okay, well, what happens next? I think also DC are waiting in the lurches yeah, to fall off the rails. And and but like, who else is like, oh, who are these characters that I really care about to really drive this thing forward? Yeah. But I just don't think at the moment, they've, with the exception of Tom Holland, they just don't really have anyone like that, yeah. which is why I've got the note here. So much of what happens next rests on the Fantastic Four yeah. so much of how they come in and tie things together and what their motivations are and what their place in this story is. So much of what Marvel are wanting to do is on that. Yeah. If that doesn't quite work... Like if they can hit Spider-Man with the third time, they can hit Fantastic Four having an already been, in my lifetime, in cinemas... Twice. It's been three movies. Three, yeah. Two iterations. And look, Fantastic Four are a great property. They've never been done justice. Um, And I think that they can get them right. John Watts, who directed the Spider-Man movies, is doing it. So they've obviously got a lot of faith in him. But that, that to me, is so important for them. 
and yeah. what they do with it, and that will really inform where it goes next. Um, did you watch any of MacGruber? Not yet. Damn We're going to have to do it next week. I was going to talk about I'm, it. I'm a busy, busy man. What was your first non-pick? Um, let me get to my list. <laughs> do you want me to do my pick first? Oh, yeah, please. So my first uh, pick of the week that was not something that we both watched was Rocky versus Drago, or the Rocky Four Director's Cut. Right. Um, what a weird little project. Like, so, I think it was released in 1985. Yeah. So after 36 years, Stallone decides to recut the movie. And... Right. Which is interesting because the first one, the theatrical cut, is one of the tightest pieces of popular culture, like popular cinema, ever yeah. released. Not a second of that movie is wasted. The only thing with less fat on it is Stallone himself. <laughs> that thing goes for like 85 minutes or something. Yeah. It is just... It's basically just a big music video. <laughs> the whole film is just a video clip. <laughs> like an extent, like a Michael Jackson Montage. video. Montage. And... It is the perfect culmination, in a lot of ways, of the Rocky character in the series. We went from earthy, earnest, gritty character piece in the first yeah. one. That that's wrong. Oh. I pressed. I pressed it too early. Oh, right. If Will was just concerned, he said that the run, the time code reads like an hour and thirty. It's only forty nine. <laughs> I pressed it by accident. <laughs> um, but the first one is this really gritty, serious, like film. One one best picture. It's fantastic. Mm. Like tremendous movie. And then they slowly started to embrace this, like, pop culture, this, like, hedonistic 80s, and Rocky became, you know, he became a product of the era, and he became, you know, dignified, and he got money, and what that did to the series in general, it's just, that's not the intent, but what yeah. it did was kind of art imitating life, which was quite funny. But y- you saw, like, Rocky Three, to be honest, Rocky Three, the opening montage in Rocky Three should be taught in, like, media classes. I'm not even... I'm being serious. Like, watch the opening Eye of the Tiger montage from Rocky Three. It is perfect. Yeah. It picks up exactly where two ends, so Rocky's the champion, and then it advances time by, like, which is very important, it advances time by, like, five years, however many years, and it shows Rocky's defences, Rocky becoming a bit complacent, Rocky becoming, as I said, cultured, becoming wealthy, the family's provided his life, is fantastic... But whilst he's doing that, he's taking his eye off the ball a bit. And the hungry contender, um, Club Lang, shows his rise through the ranks, coming up to challenge him, and he's everything that Rocky used to be. Yeah. It is perfect. And when it ends, you're exactly where the film needs you to be. They've advanced time. They've got us in a, a really exciting new phase of both of these characters' lives. Brilliant. So with Rocky Four, that's like... Robert Wall, who played Alexander Knox in um, the first Batman, yeah. he had this funny thing where he said the first four Batman films, his theory is that they get worse every hour. So if you look at it like there's four movies, there's eight hours, it was every hour gets progressively worse. So the first hour of the first movie is 10 out of 10. The second hour of the first movie is still pretty good, still pretty good, but it's yeah. maybe not quite as good. Then returns again. Yeah, the first hour is a little bit worse than that. The second hour is worse than that. And it just gets worse and worse till the end of Batman and Robin. In much the same way, Rocky 3 ends as this silly Saturday morning cartoon. And Rocky 4 is just that dialed up. Every element of it's just over the top. Bombastic American nonsense. And what this film is interesting for me is that 
we're living in the age, I think I've spoken about remix culture. Yes. So we're living in the age of remix culture where I'm sitting at a computer here, we're making a podcast here. 20 years ago, we couldn't do this. Mm. If you wanted to have something like this, you had to have access to a radio studio, you had to have access, the the uh, impediments to participation are just gone. Yep. So I've got a computer here with Premiere Pro on it, cut little videos, little short movies, <coughs> little docos for the Box Hill Hawks. I can just do that and I can teach myself how to do it. Mm. We live in an era where films like Rocky Four, this director's cut, Stallone is just a fan, basically, yeah. who's like, I want to recut this and look at it a different way. And he does. And it's really fun because I think that this should happen more often. I think that more creators should give this stuff to the people. They should say, here are the raw materials and just like a build-your-own-adventure. Here's all the fucking raw stuff. Recut it. Do what you want. There's yeah. the theatrical cut of the film, which is this. You piece it together however you want. Yeah, but then I guess they all there's people that are like the internet is a is a cruel, cruel place, and someone will somehow spin it to be a disgusting, sexist, racist. Yeah, but piece of yeah, but that's material. that's not on the creator. No, but then they've allowed it. No, they haven't. They've said, "Here is my." They haven't said, "Go and make a misogynistic, racist piece of no, shit." No, but they've said, "Here's my material. Yeah. Do what you want." No, 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 no. You're missing the point. It's not about people turning it into... Because they can do that anyway. I can just download it off a torrent site and do yeah. that. Yeah. So what's stopping me from doing that initially? But the issues that we've got, the only issue with recutting a film like this, is that scoring and licensing of the music is very jarring. It's not quite... Because it's obviously not... When they did the rights, yeah. they didn't do the rights to do a recut of the movie. No. So the scoring and, and some of the soundtrack is a bit bit, bit, bit off. Yeah. It's very lean. Um. And the Bill, the Bill Conti score, which has always really propelled these films, is sort of like, eh, it's not quite, it's yeah. almost like they've had to use temp tracks, mm-hmm. which is a bit strange. And the other thing is that while director's cuts or recuts can be interesting, generally speaking, the final cut of a film is that way for a reason. Because you've trimmed the fat, yeah. you've really tightened everything up, you've reshot certain scenes that didn't fit. So you've put the film together in the best way for it to be put together. So when you revisit it or want to recut it again later, there are exceptions to the rule. But generally speaking, the film is cut very specifically for pacing, for performance, for emotional impact. There's examples here where... So um, the scene where Apollo dies is, is cut together in such a way that it's foreboding. And it's sort of, it doesn't work. Because in the first, in the original cut, the surprise is that Apollo's all brash and hubris and ego and everyone's sort of smiling and going along for the ride with him and then the shock and awe is that, you know, he gets beaten badly and dies. He pays the ultimate price and no one saw it coming. Yeah. No one knew who this guy was. No one really respected him. And he comes out and he fucking deals a hammer blow. And it's, it's a shocking moment. It's brilliant. And to be fair... Apollo Creed had one of the greatest face turns in the history of cinema. He goes from being a brilliant bad guy to our protagonist's best friend. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's so well done. But the point is, you go from a scene playing out in such a way where the emotional impact is so severe yeah. to the emotional impact is signposted. Yeah. And it just doesn't it just doesn't work. And again, that's an example. It was cut that way first for a reason. Yeah. Because it plays better. 
So um, just some changes. The opening film, so I think, lingers a bit too long on the elements of Rocky III. Yeah. Um, there's some interesting psychology about you know, Rocky and Apollo, you know, figuring out Apollo's you know want to fight and prove himself, which is which is good. Yeah. Um, that's always been a highlight of these films. Um, the fight, I think, from memory, the fight actually plays out differently too, from Apollo and Drago. It's a bit different. It's constructed a bit differently, which is which is actually not bad. Mm-hmm. There's actually a bit where uh, Rocky actually hesitates to throw the towel in. Which is nice because yeah. in the in the in the actual movie it wouldn't there's nothing Rocky could have done. Yeah. He's already Drago's nailing Apollo to the face, like with his fucking just hammer and sickle basically. <laughs> and Rocky picks the towel up, but it's too late. Whereas in this one, it actually plays out a bit better. There's a moment of hesitation where he could have done it earlier, which might have made a difference. Yep. Which is a nice change. Um, there's a bit too which I don't know why they cut out of the movie because after. Drago beats Apollo. He has this thing in the ring, which he did. You know, if he dies, he dies. But he says the line, um, the world will know my name, Drago. And that's the moment lingering on Rocky and Rocky, I have to avenge my friend and blah, blah. Which then makes sense why in the fucking Hearts on Fire montage, he runs to the top of the mountain and he's screaming Drago. You're kind of like, this makes sense now. (laughs) Because you've set it up earlier in the movie. This wasn't in the original cut. So that was cool. Um... There was a nice bit with the boxing authority, which explained why Rocky drops the belt because he's fighting in an unsanctioned fight. Don't know why they cut that out of the movie. It's because you've spent fucking three movies building up this chase for the championship, and then all of a sudden he just drops it. And yep. we don't, he does it off screen. It's weird. They cut out uh, Bridget Nielsen stuff, which was hilarious because Bridget Nielsen was Stallone's wife <laughs> for a period, and they had an acrimonious divorce, <laughs> and she's basically excised completely from the movie, <laughs> which makes me wonder. If I think her character's name was Ludmilla, which makes me wonder if Stallone was just sitting at home one night smoking a giant doob. It was just like he was watching Rocky Four, and he was just like, "Fuck her!" <laughs> and he just thought, "I'll cut her out of the. I'm going to recut this fucker. I'm going to re-release it. I'm going to do it at my own expense. I'm going to yeah. cut her out of the movie. Fuck her." <laughs> so, <sighs> someone fire up my MacBook. <laughs> um. So. Rocky versus Drago, yeah. or the Rocky Four director's cut. I don't know. It doesn't. I'm not sure. It doesn't have a like an actual name. Yeah. Which is again, it's a marketing problem. What's your <laughs> film called? <laughs> is interesting if you're a fan of Rocky. If you're a fan of Rocky, definitely give it a watch. Is it a? Uh, it's a curiosity. Yep. Which is worth I think giving your time to. Nice. Um. Well, my first one is a YouTube series. Oh no. No, I, I think you like this. I think you may have come across it, to be honest. Um, it's on a channel called First We Feast. The series is called Hot Ones. Have you seen this? Is this the one where they eat hot wings? And yes. The sauce? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, found myself the other day... I watched a couple here and there over the last couple of years. Um, I'd found myself... What's the series called? Hot Ones. Hot Ones. Um watching, it was, you know, the week before. The Paul um, one's good. Yeah. <laughs> Look, <laughs> Look at, at us. us. <laughs> um, Not me. Yeah. <laughs> I fe- it was the week before No Way Home. Um, so, obviously, you know, part of the press run, Tom Holland was doing it. Anything and everything under the sun. Um, you know, GQ, Vogue, Hot Ones. Uh, and I just ended up going down a Hot Ones hole. Deep, deep hole. How long does an episode Spicy go Spicy hole. Um, anywhere between 15 and like 25 minutes, depending okay. on how good the 
Um, we could learn a thing or two. Yes. <laughs> Depending on how good the guest is. Um, but I, I love it. It's the host, Sean, 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 Sean. It's an unusual name. Evans. Spelt the same way. Sean, 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 Sean Evans. <laughs> uh, Sean Evans. He, he had a lot of uncles named Sean. <laughs> he holds, he holds the interview in a what's the term in good enough stead that it's not like a prying shitty interview, but it's not some like you know. Super you think about like my chat with Luke Sayers. Sure. <laughs> Sure, <laughs> whatever, whatever makes you feel good. Um, <laughs> so you know you've got normal press tour stuff that you'll see on maybe the project or whatever, and then you've got random candid interviews. He go he jumps between the two, um, and it, I think it shows because you just get this super super relaxed version, super friendly version of the celebrity or the actor, the sports person, whatever. And they just like let all their walls down. Like there's no reason for them to be. It's all, it's basically like sitting there having a beer with a beer with a friend. Like you okay. just you're just chatting. Um, so I initially watched the Tom Holland one, and then basically went through all like the most viewed, um, and they were yeah hilarious. Loved the series. Um, Tom Holland capped off season sixteen. They've done sixteen seasons, fourteen to fifteen episodes a season. Um, How long has this been going for? Like five years. These people five, need to understand what a four, season four, is. Four or five years. Or it's just do a year. Yeah, but it's a break. They do a oh, bunch, a break, sake. and then they come back. So a new season. Um, but uh, yeah, hot ones since twenty twenty fifteen. Here you go. What do you reckon of Tom Holland's hair at the moment? That like longish sort of one. Yeah, love it. Yeah, big I don't fan. like it. Big fan. You're gonna turn up with that. That's because you, you? you don't have hair at the moment. Yeah, that's true. Um, um no, I I can cut mine all. Cut mine, yeah, cut mine off. Um, hot ones. Hot ones. Very enjoyable hole to fall down. Spicy hole um, to fall down on YouTube. If you uh, like just... What was your favourite? What's a standout episode of Hot Ones? Uh, Shaq is funny. Yeah, Shaq would be good. Shaq. Tom Holland was really good. Ed Sheeran. He's I don't like Ed Sheeran. I don't love him as a person, but he's got some interesting stories. Just of like going to, you know celebrities' houses or whatever and just doing random shit. Um, Tom Holland's is really, really good. Um, Elizabeth Olsen, hers is pretty good as well. Yeah, she's got a bit of per- she's got a bit of spunk. Yeah. Um, Have you seen the video she does with um, several years old now, Civil War, when Robert Downey Jr. is eating the donut? Have you seen that? And yes. Robert Downey Jr. eats the donut and he goes, that's... The with red, white, and blue sprinkles, <laughs> and Chris Evans, and they're doing this, and she's like, she does the big scream, the big yeah, uh, that's very good. Yes, yes, um, and the Steve O one was pretty good as well. Steve O, yeah, Jesus, he just like tells like these random fucking stories, and obviously his body has been through the absolute ringer, um, so the Hot Wings aren't quite as you know. He's really only got himself to blame. Yeah. <laughs> We're not quite as punchy as some other people, but um, just, I know, they just, the stories that come out of it are hilarious. And the Gordon Ramsay one goes down in history as well. It's one of the more popular ones. Um, just because obviously, you know. Have you seen, there's a guy on YouTube does a, a video, does the impression where he does Ramsay and Conor McGregor. And the idea is Gordon Ramsay's cooking Conor McGregor a steak. And no. this guy plays both roles. Who the fuck is that guy? He's, he's, it's very good. No, I haven't seen it. He's like, he's like, I can see how he's like telling him like to hit it. He goes, 
Is why would you hit the steak? <laughs> it's a piece of meat. Yeah, it's um, very good. But yeah, hot ones on the channel first we feast on YouTube. Um, basically, yeah, it's included now. It's slowly, slowly becoming included in any uh, popular, very meme-worthy. Yeah, uh, like gifts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, it's being included in any popular press run basically these days. Which um, is extraordinary, isn't it? Good on them. Yeah, good on them. Um, excellent. So oh, that sounds like a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Now My next yeah, uh, it makes me want to eat chicken now. I'm hungry. Pass a KFC on the God, way home. Sure will. Springvale Road, baby. Oh. I was watching. Was I watching? I was watching. Um, this isn't necessarily a pick of mine. I'll come back to it later. But there's a new season of Class of '92, which I've reviewed in the past uh-huh, about the Salford City Football Club. Yeah. And in the new season, um, season six, it is now. Gary Neville goes to a McDonald's on the way to a game, uh-huh. um, and he's got the camera guy in the car with him, and he he gets some McNuggets. Yep. And he gets sweet curry sauce. Yeah. Europe's got the crazy Weird. sauce. Weird. Curry sauce is delicious. McNuggets? Anything. Oh. Any cooked. Any cooked meat. Yeah. Mm. Or what it vaguely approximates meat. Have you been to Germany? Yeah. Did you get a sausage and curry? Fun, fun fact about my trip to Germany. Pause. Answer my question first. Did you get a sausage with, yeah, pr- cu- I with, think so, with yeah. curry sauce? Yeah, I think so. It was from, fine. From one of those service stations? No, not a service station. I got it from a... Finger cr- licking good, I got baby. it from a Christmas mm. market. I was so I ate... Because you go to Germany. Yeah. And fucking sausages and schnitzel. Yeah. Very good. But I, I ate so many of these beautiful <laughs> fucking sausages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I ate so many of them <laughs> that like two or three days later... My urine just smelt <laughs> smelt like like cured meat. I went. I got, I got a bit of a whiff and went. <laughs> oh boy! I was like that that uh, that tracks. <laughs> so anyway, that's a beautiful segue. It's as good as a segue as we're going to get. My next pick of the week is a film called Clerk, <laughs> called Sausage Fest, <laughs> <laughs> Sausage Party, I'm assuming, um, which is a fucking strange movie. Yeah. Clerk. Clerk. So this is a biography of Kevin Smith who I was informed today by Faber Ganoush, is Tim Davis's favourite filmmaker, which I couldn't <laughs> fucking believe. My head popped off my shoulders. And I was going, what? What's, it, what's this called? Clerk. Clerk. Or Clark, as we would call it here. So how's it spelled? C-L-E-R-K. But we say Clarks. They say Clerks. Anyway, so biography of Kevin Smith and... Really manifests the whole, you know, um, Tommy Hafey, if it is to be, it's up to me sort of mantra. That's, um, you know, this really nice little story of the Jersey-born creative who, you know, dropped out of film school, you know, when he was early 20s. He was just working at a small convenience store when he wrote the script and then made Ooh, the film. I know this um, guy. That would define and change his life. So he's got this really wonderful perspective on the whole journey and what this journey has given him, you know, and what it means to those you know, who he knows and meets and interacts with. And I've always had a really soft spot for Kevin Smith, only because, I don't know, his voice and his humility and the career that he's forged for himself is just entirely on his own back. Yeah, He, he was not part of the studio system. He forged a, a, a career for himself with his own voice and his own look and his own feel. What an odd favourite. This is why I couldn't believe it. I was kind of going, <laughs> Tim Davis. <laughs> I was like, Tim Davis' favourite This is so weird. I said, what? He likes Tusk <laughs> and yoga hoses <laughs> and Red State. 
<laughs> he likes Jay and Silent Bob reboot, <laughs> which I actually didn't mind. But um, I've always found him really great to listen to when he when he talks about his work and talks about pop culture in general. And, and he, he always connects to his fans and those who connect with him yeah. in such a meaningful way. And I think breaking it down, the first part of the doco is probably more interesting for me um, just because it focuses more on that early part of his career, which yeah. was obviously making the, the preamble to making Clerks, following it up with more rats, bouncing back with Chasing Amy, yeah. you know, really stretching your legs and doing something like Dogma. Uh-huh. Um, that that was always really interesting to me, um, and he he you know came out of that last. You could argue that he was sort of one of the last guys to come out of that kind of early to mid nineties do it yourself era of filmmaking. You know yep. he was famously inspired by Richard Linklater um, and his rough and tumble sort of backyard filmmaking style, uh-huh. and ultimately he writes Clerks and he creates the the Askewniverse as it's called. And the really funny part about that whole thing is that it might sound ludicrous in 2021, but Kevin Smith created the cinematic universe. Right. So he was a big comic book fan. Yeah. And when he created those films, all those films exist in the same universe. And this was like unheard of. Yeah. The idea that I'm going to make four movies, five, however many movies now, and they have re- recurring characters, and your Jay and Silent Bob is sort of like the... C-3PO, R2-D2, they pop up in all of them. Yeah. And they're the, the real connective tissue. But they refer to things that happened in the other movies. They refer to other characters from those movies. And they all take place in, you know, whether it be a New Jersey or something approximating that part yeah. of America. And it's so funny that, for me anyway, initially Hollywood had this reticence to do that. They had no idea to do it. And then, you know, it was happening in comics forever, but it always seemed too hard for them to do it in movies. And then now Marvel do it, now everyone does it. And then the consequence of that is like everyone now is like, let's combine the two eras. Let's combine the era where we didn't know how to do this and didn't want to do this with the era now that we did do this and we get a multiverse. The Flash is doing it. Uh, Spider-Man's done it. Bloody Grey's Anatomy did it. Fucking what? Yeah, they have, it's it's called like Station 19 or something. It's like the... A few TV shows have, they've got like this... Chicago Fire, Chicago Take place in the same, Yeah. yeah. Which is, again... Not a bad idea. Yeah. I really loved all of his early films too because they were kind of like small ensemble plays. Like you and I could go and make a Kevin Smith style movie in that set in one or two locations, very dialogue driven. Yeah. Um, and they always played really, really well. And I think that what I loved about it most too that it was just a celebration of this guy that sometimes big movies change cinema. Jaws, Star Wars. Sometimes, you know, big movies change the cinematic landscape. This guy changed it. Yeah. Like, he moved the needle in a significant way. Like, he, he made... He, his movies were this watershed moment. You know, like, Nolan's Batman films, like, shifted comic book movies. Yeah. This guy's homespun, you know, black and white movie clerks made for $20,000 or whatever it was, changed for a period of time, you know, the way that cinema was accessible, the way that it was presented, the types of films that were being made, the audiences that were being targeted. Like, he, in a lot of ways, is an incredible figure in the popularisation of nerd culture, Mm. and he doesn't get enough credit for it. Like, these films might have been the seeding of what has eventually become, like, the legitimate Marvel universe. Yeah. Like, they were comic book movies, but they were pretty fucking shit slapped together they weren't taken seriously this guy presented a world in which 
the characters loved that stuff and they spoke about it and they passionate about it <clears throat> and they spoke a language that Hollywood I don't think understood was being spoken really prevalently by a market yeah. that was not being represented with quality films based on properties they loved and his his voice his voice brought that p- particular conversation you know to the surface yeah and he's no, like I said it's not wholly solely responsible but I think it was the fucking seeding mm. of what becomes you know in the late 90s early 2000s we start to get this kind of renaissance of comic book movies made in a serious manner, taken seriously and watched by a lot of people. Yep. So technology had a bit to do with that as well. But, yep, yep, yep. Um, and look, he's obviously continued. Look, he, he still makes movies to this day. He's got a fantastic presence in pop culture. He's got <coughs> Hollywood Babylon, which is a great podcast, Fat Man on Batman um, with Mark uh, Bernardin, which is really good. Was he around YouTube early days? Kevin Smith? Uh, or maybe. Because I just looked up, he was like, has that famous like jersey he wears. Yeah, the Fat yeah. Man Batman jersey. Yeah, I was, until I saw that, I was like, oh, I know this guy. See, Hollywood Babylon's really good. He does that with Ralph Garman, which is great fun. You know, Mark Bernard and him did Batman commentaries. Yeah. And they're brilliant. Yeah. They're so good. I chuck them on every so often just in the background. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the Batman Returns one is just unbelievably funny. Um, you know, he owns a comic book store, Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash. He set up a website in like the mid to late 90s and he was on the message board. Mm. Like, no one does that now. Twitter. Yeah. But he was on the message board, just he would talk to fans on the message board about their movie, his movies and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. Like, real entrepreneur. He's made good in the industry. People can say what they want about him and his hits and his misses. But, um, you know, I think Clerks 3 comes out next year, which will be interesting. Um, and he's a guy that's kind of done it his way for so long, and um, this film's a cool sort of celebration of that and what he's been able to achieve, nice. which I really, really enjoyed. Nice one. Um, my, we're doing one, one more each, or? Sure. Yeah. Um, my one was a album, um, a proper album for you, Sean. Great. None of this, you know. Like classical music? 15, no, no. Like fi- none of this 15, 20 songs. Oh, 20 songs. Nine songs. Good. Like it. Keep some B-sides. <laughs> I knew you would. I knew you would. Um, this album is a collaborative effort mm-hmm. between uh, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. They call themselves Silk Sonic. Um, the album is called An Evening with Silk Sonic. What if I wanted to listen to it of a morning? Just imagine you're in the evening, baby. Because okay. it's funky. It's groovy. It's that sort of... You know when Bruno Mars... You might not know, but basically Bruno Mars does like real sexual music. Yeah, he does like 70s funk. Yeah, it's all that. Okay. Brilliant. Oh, mate, I've said this, in, I fucking told you this idea. Yeah. Apple, get the fuck on it. Bruno Mars, he's been on Saturday Night Live, he's good value, he can do yeah. this. Yeah. Make little short films, like Elvis style, soundtrack driven, stupid movies. Yeah. And go for like 45 minutes, maybe an hour. And it's an album, and like Elvis, where he's you know he's working at the mechanics, or he's a race car driver, or he's working at the casino, whatever. Yeah. Make like modern versions of old Elvis movies, with this guy having a fucking blast with his band, yeah. singing songs like the Rat Pack used to. Mm-hmm. Do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously everyone knows Bruno Mars, but Anderson Pack. Uh, Basically, he's released over 100 songs, a lot of them kind of EP sort of stuff, early days. Um, collabed with 
Mac Miller. Is he dead? Tri- yes. Tribal Quest. Chance the Rapper. Um, and he's just done a lot of... He's kind of like a very underground for a while. Um, in the last couple of years, kind of really shot through. Um, he's done this album. It's 31 minutes, 19 seconds. Love it. It's like a Ramones album. Yeah. Uh, nine songs. Hearted three. So what's that? 33% of the album. Your percentages um, are better this time. Yeah. Um, so I mean, one of them's an intro, so it doesn't really, almost doesn't really count. So eight songs, three out of eight. Eight and a half. Yeah. Um, one of them has been used, a little clip of it has been used through TikTok as a soundbite. Um, but nonetheless, great song. Um, so, yeah, an, e- an Evening with Silk Sonic. They just touch on really, really... You, yeah, you, you listen to old school funk music and you get that, like, ah, oh, like... Sounds you, really horny. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> you love it. It's brilliant. And they touch on that same stuff and Bruno Mars's voice is unreal. As his hair. Um, judging by the album cover, very froey still. It's still going on. Um, he's Hawaiian or something, isn't he? Yeah, he looks looks that way. Yeah. Um, going on downstairs. Um, but uh, you, you act like there's like a murder going on. Someone just opened a door. Maybe, maybe. I don't know the sounds of this house. Um, oh, I know it's over there. I was asking where. I was wondering where that giant cobweb no, went. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. About to peer pressure. <laughs> who who else said something about it? Tim and Fabian were like dog with two dicks about what, it. Do they come in here occasionally? Oh. Right. Um. Anyway, yeah. Three out of song. Uh, three out of nine songs. Leave the door open. Song one. Funnily enough, someone just closed the door downstairs. Will thought there was some kind of gang war going on. <laughs> uh, smoking out the window. Yeah. Second song, and skate. Third okay. song. Um, highly, highly suggest to listen to this for anyone that's into that sort of music. Um. Obviously, if you're into, you know, emo punk or, you know, heavy, heavy rap, no. But I'm, I, I would like to think I have quite a diverse taste in music. Diverse palette. Diverse palette, yes. Um, and this this touches on those palettes. So, An Evening with Silk Sonic, which includes Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack, uh, I would get on it while you can. Only got released uh, six weeks ago, so still relatively new. They're not; it's not out there to you know be album of the year or anything. But if you like that sort of stuff, get on it. Um, sure. Busy doing something. I mean, I'm gonna be on a level with you. I probably won't. No, I know you won't. Um, I gave something you you reviewed a while back. A listen. I can't even remember what it was. It was sort of tolerable. Uh, one of them was the Offspring thing which you had a chat about. That was sort of okay, and there was something else I can't even remember what it was. It was it was all right. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm going to whip through a couple here. Yeah, Halo Infinite, which I've been playing. Is it Montero by Lil Nas? I don't think so. No. Um, Halo Infinite, will the new game? Yes, on the Xbox. I've walked in on you playing it. System. You mo- you move like a bot, by the way. Your movement is disgusting. Because I'm not a fucking idiot. I'm like, this is what I'm going to... This is a great... You unintended... You do that thing that like 12-year-olds do. You hold the control and like move your head. Your head doesn't do anything. You've lollipopped this one up. You've just absolutely dollied this for me. It's a half volley in the slot. <laughs> I have no interest in playing games that are just sensory overload. 
I've got no interest in doing that. There's four difficulty levels on Halo. I played on the second one because I just I don't want an oppressive, aggressive experience. I just want to go through the map, you know, fire some guns off, have some fun, be mildly challenged, <laughs> but not to the point where it's like just tickled. But just yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want I don't want to be like just rained hellfire down on me. I just want to play the game. Have it not be so ludicrously you so know, hard. Hopping a banshee if I want to, you or know, just fly, the banshee baby. And just that's what I want. Okay, I don't need it <laughs> to be what all these different first-person shooters have become. These really aggressive, over-the-top adrenaline-filled, just, just nuts. Have you seen that video of the guy playing Vanguard? And he jumps into the map. And he's like, "Let's go!" And then he's dead in eight seconds. <laughs> and then he's <laughs> like, he, and then he respawns yeah. and he goes, yeah. "All right!" And then he's dead again. <laughs> and he's just like, "Yeah." It's just not fun. <laughs> like it's just it's a, it just breathes like an yeah. aggressive, paranoid attitude. I don't want that. You know what I did find fun was funny as I'm playing this game and sort of quite enjoying it as I yeah. go along. I couldn't fucking tell you what the Halo games are about. I've been playing them for <laughs> twenty years. I got no idea. It's about some kind of ring called Halo and the Covenant is the bad guys and we're at war with them and some of it takes place on kind of Earth and some of it takes place on these other planets and these ships. Yeah. And then these bad guys are called the Banished. I don't know if they're connected to the Covenant. <laughs> they have all the same henchmen. Yep. I don't know if they're a splinter cell, an NWO, if you will, of the Covenant. I don't know. <laughs> I watch all the cutscenes. I don't take in any of it. My comprehension is a real concern. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there thinking... But you like the alien guns but and I, space. I hate the alien guns. I Sorry, like the yeah. human guns. <laughs> We reach a point in every mission where you you run out of ammo in your human guns, yeah. and you've got to go to the fucking plasma rifles, and they're just crap. But, like I said, I don't know what's happening. I don't know where the game's going. Do they still have needlers? Yeah, they have needlers. Oh, baby. Needlers are okay. Oh, my fave back um, there. That and the sniper. But I just... Oh, I've only come across a couple of snipers, actually. That, what was that, the... the the map back in the day. Blood Gulch. Blood Gulch, baby. There was it's a pirated a, version that went around the school it's laptops. Like a, it's and we like just, a canyon. Yeah, and you just, there was that, there was Halo and there was some other game. You'd be literally just, oh, be like, you'd get game. to lunch. Counter-Strike. And there'd be giant fucking Halo tournaments in the year 12. So you know the thing with Blood Gulch was? Blood Gulch started off as a portrait of simplicity, just perfected simplicity. <laughs> yeah. You had the two bases at either end of this canyon with a yeah. little ravine. Yeah. And great. And then they got they got too clever, it got too big, had too many features to it, and it just became too much. And yeah. you just went, just strip it back. <laughs> Original Blood Gulch, yeah. probably Halo 2 Blood Gulch. <laughs> Halo 2 Blood Gulch, where you just did some twinking, tweaking yeah. with it, it was yeah. good. Um, I actually haven't played the multiplayer yet, because I'm just going through the campaign. But I really like it, because it's it's we spoke about it a while ago, it's just what I, it's Halo. Yeah. I just wanted it to be Halo, because yeah. I liked Halo when I used to play it, and so I do again. I don't want it to be something else. I don't want it to be COD. I don't want it to be that nonsense. That's ridiculous. I fucking hate it. <laughs> so, not bad. Um, do we want to talk about MacGruber? Not yet, no. Not till I watch it. What have you sent me? Is it a whole... It's a season. There's eight episodes. Excellent. All right. Just by way of background, MacGruber, yeah. Will and I really like the movie. No one else does. <laughs> It was made in 2010. About six people saw it. <laughs> and it's gained this cult following. Yes. And it's this incredible film that I'm actually interested. Would you watch the TV show with Maddie? I was talking about this with her the other day. I yeah. said, now there's this show. You can't explain it. I said, there's this show Sean sent me. And <laughs> I said, it's got little, it will have like little elements of Brooklyn Nine-Nine You can't explain humor. it. But then I was like, but there's going to be this like weird 
maybe crude, just weird shit that I'll be cackling myself to and you won't understand. You're in a dangerous spot. I'm going to be honest with you. This is the sort of show that could end your relationship. Because <laughs> she'll look at you and be like, I think so little of you <laughs> that you like this. So I'm going to I'm, uh, I'm gonna have to wait till she's busy for a day doing something. She probably needs to watch the movie too. Yeah. Just to kind of... going to be a test for us. But All uh, I want from this show, I've watched two episodes. Yeah. All I need this show to be... But are they 45 minutes, hour? Nah, nah, they're like fucking half an hour each. Oh, excellent. Or you reckon they make, spent? You reckon they put together eight hours of Magruba? I don't know. I don't know. Um, what I like about what I want from Magruba is I need every episode. I just need one <laughs> Magruba moment. I just need in every episode. All I need is one moment that is quote classic Magruba. That's all I need. And without wanting to spill the beans. There was a moment in episode one that I had to rewatch a bunch of times. <laughs> the episode is kind of going along okay and it's setting up where we are now 10 years later and it's doing a bit of heavy lifting to kind of get us yeah, there. Yeah. A couple of nice moments, but there's one moment in episode one that I'm like, that's it. That's, that's what we've got there. We've got <laughs> our right. one moment. I'll, I'll look forward to it and I need a night where Maddie's busy so I can just sit there and smash out eight episodes by myself. It's not bad. Um, and then lastly for me, because I, I can't be bothered holding this over for another episode. I watched a show today called 24 by 36 when I eventually got my hard drive working and could fucking watch something off it. I had to buy a new hard drive. It's a long story. We don't want to hear it. Partitioning Continue. it and formatting it so I could fucking put stuff on it and watch it on a PlayStation or an Xbox. Absolute nightmare. Fuck. I've broken out in hives just thinking about <laughs> it. Why is technology so difficult? Just for fuck's sake... Apple, money. Microsoft, money, Intel, money, I don't money, care money, who money, it is, money, 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 money. get in a room, just develop one fucking system for this shit so we don't... Nah, it's annoying. Anyway, 24 by 36 is a documentary, about an 80-odd minute documentary, about movie posters. Jesus. Oh, don't sound, I couldn't don't think sound <laughs> so enthusiastic. Sorry, but I couldn't think of anything Would you worse. like another opportunity to be excited? Do it again. 24 by 36 is an 80-minute documentary about movie posters. No, thanks. It is. It loses steam in the back part because it becomes like... It had steam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it becomes <laughs> like... Um, it becomes almost about like... movie poster collecting now, and it's almost as if it's an ad for these outlets that commission interesting new designs they come like by a, posters they're cool yeah like a mondo who do some cool variants yeah. on classic posters and um, there's a few other similar sites and it's interesting when they're talking to the artists but it's almost like it becomes this second half is about the aftermarket collecting and these posters being worth hundreds of dollars sometimes thousands of dollars because they're printed in such small quantities but the first part of it really just sort of talking about the just the role of a movie poster is real. I find it really interesting because I, I completely agreed with what they were saying is that the best posters, the old classic hand-drawn, and you can think about them, everyone, think about your favourite movie and you can probably vividly see the poster and what that promises and what it, the, the tone of the movie it captures, the atmosphere it captures, whether it's an adventure or dramatic or yeah. captures all of it. And and you know they they talk about some great you know, John Alvin and Bob Peck and Drew Struzan and Roger Cassell and Richard Amsel all of these great artists who would hand draw these beautiful pieces of art and they are they're phenomenal pieces of art that 
the studio would sometimes just take and wouldn't really give them credit for, and which is all a bit messy and nasty. But I just I don't know. I just love that the idea. One of the guys in the doco says movie posters in a lot of ways are like because you can't buy a a, a Vermeer or a you know a, a Da Vinci or so you can't buy. Yeah. Because that's there are tens of millions of dollars to buy a Picasso or whatever. Said, but you can buy a really beautiful screen printed poster off Mondo of your favorite movie, and you'll be just as happy with it. Yeah. It's just as valid a piece of art to yeah. put on the wall and to stir in you. I love the movie, or I love this actor, or these characters, or whatever yeah. it is about that movie that you love. And I was like, he's totally right. That that's just, that is what these things do, and they're still for me. I don't know, I still get kind of excited when you walk into the cinema to see a Spider-Man or whatever it might be and you walk in the lobby and they've got the new coming soon is yeah, this yeah, and this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they've got the big display stand and you walk down to the cinema and again, coming soon is A, B and C. And it's it's still a fun... Yeah, yeah. You kind of go, oh, okay, cool, yeah, cool, yeah. And from an art perspective, you know, some of them are just beautiful. And what the, what the show does really well too is it kind of explains that in the in the move away from the hand illustrated stuff, we kind of go into like, I don't know, we kind of go into like, what we're trying to say is that t- a technological advance doesn't equal progress. Mm. So just because you can, I can make a movie style poster now on my computer, well, it doesn't it's not better than a hand drawn beautiful piece of art that they used to be, yes. but they aren't anymore that the market moved away from and they moved away into these really boring compositions of like floating heads. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just shit house. Yeah. And they kind of talk a bit about that and how some of the market thinks that, oh, if it's a hand-drawn poster, it must be an animated film and it's like, no. Mm. Some of these classic hand-drawn posters are like, they're better, in a a weird kind of way, a lot of the time they were like better than the movie. Mm-hmm. Because they promised this a, a level of adventure or excitement or whatever that the movie couldn't possibly live up to. So, yeah. um, I mean, I think about uh, I used to have it. The, the one of the f- might have been the first poster for episode one was the classic. It was a picture. It wasn't drawn. Drew Struzan did all the the theatrical posters, but had Anakin standing in front of the oval, and his shadow was Darth Vader. Yeah, like that's iconic. Yeah, that's a classic. Like, that's a beautiful, it's a piece of art. It's a composition yeah. and it's fucking striking. And it's, I've always said that the film would never live, could never live up to that image. Yeah. Because it was perfect. You saw it and just went, fuck. Jesus, that's good. So, yeah. like, 24 by 36. Interesting. Interesting watch. Um, more interesting than you give it credit for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you like that kind of stuff and have a soft spot for movie posters and the like, you might, uh, might enjoy it. All right, Will. In closing. What we always do at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. we take our pick of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I can't really go past Spider-Man. Um, you know, you might mightn't have enjoyed it, but I... I, hey, hey, I didn't say I didn't enjoy it. I never said that. Didn't love it. I didn't even say that. I said I don't know how good of a movie it is. Mm. Need to see it again. I I came out of it satisfied and happy and going... That's like the first. You went from six to midnight. What does that mean? You had to waistband your boner. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, Spider-Man for me. I like Spider-Man. I did. Um, 
it is absolutely worth seeing if you haven't seen it, and it's probably worth seeing again if you have, mm. to be honest, just to, to get a really solid read on it. I also really like, for the most part, Clerk. Yep. Particularly that first part, dealing with that first part of his career. I really enjoyed that. Yep. Well, Will, it's been a pleasure this year. It has. On the occasions we've done the show. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the rare, rare occasion, but it's been good. Excellent. Um, Hopefully we don't have any more. Uh, well, who knows? Fucking Omricon, who knows? Sounds like a Transformers villain. Yeah. There's a, there's, there's a clip of... Um, Omnicron. He's like, ah, oh, <laughs> shit. There's a clip of a, a Futurama villain. Have you seen this? It's like, I am Lord someone from the planet Omricon. Oh, no. And everyone was like, oh, okay. It's just a letter in the Greek alphabet. Exactly, so yeah. Like, you know. yeah. was a good show. Had some moments. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, Will, it's been a pleasure this year. Fantastic stuff. Always. To all the listeners tuning Always. in before Christmas, happy... Merry Christmas. Have a merry, merry Christmas. Uh, if you tune in after that. Um, have a merry, merry... Have a good New Year. Chinese Christmas. Have a good Boxing no, Day. Chinese New Year. Is there another Christmas that's not on Christmas Day in, a, in another culture? Do we I know? don't know. Yeah. Or, you know, Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Chinese New Year. Yeah. yeah. Um, Eid. Orthodox Easter. Something Murabak. Yeah. Eid Mubarak. Yeah. Eid Mubarak. Eid Mubarak. Yeah. Yeah. All just, of them. Just have fun. Kwanzaa, have a good Kwanzaa. If you're drinking, don't drive. Um, if you're drinking the legal amount, drive. But if you're drinking more than the legal amount, don't drive. No one it's, likes that. It's a very important, very sensible message you're giving out. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, for me, sure, Peter Much, thank you so much. For you, Will. Um, goodbye, so long, farewell. Everything, I am Willie P. W-I-L-L-Y-P-E-E. Yeah. I won't give you my address. I don't want to talk to any of you. <laughs> That's a joke. If yeah. you want to talk, please do. Yeah. Well, goodbye. We'll see you again in the new year, so I imagine. Long, farewell, and uh, we'll see you in six months. <laughs> <laughs>